Well, good morning. You can have a seat as we get ready to get into God's Word this morning. So uh, last week, if you're with us, uh, we've seen the passing of uh, Abraham. He, is, he has now died. And the question is, what, what will now happen to the faith? Um, what will happen to the covenant that God made with Abraham? And uh, once again, we will see that the Lord, he is the one who is faithful. Uh, we, uh, we, we noted last week that uh, while God is faithful, we are faithless. Uh, but there's also the, the fact that some will follow and some will not. And uh, we seen the indication last Sunday that um, after Isaac, there will be one who will be part of the covenant promise and one who will not. Uh, Jacob will be and Esau will not. And we're going to see that when we get to the end of this chapter. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we, each of us, need to make a decision. Will we follow the Lord or not? I've called the, this morning's sermon, Walking in the Footsteps of the Faith. And sometimes, you know, we grow up in the church and we hear the truths, we could tell you the truths, we would nod our heads to the truths, but at the end of the day, maybe you've never placed your hope and trust in the Lord God. And, and there needs to be a personal faith. This is what we're going to see with Isaac. He, he has a personal faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't just simply like, okay, I choose Isaac, but then we don't see any impact on his life. If you yeah, as we mentioned last Sunday, if he has chosen you, then there will be a change. And so we, we want to we be thinking about what does it look like now to walk in the footsteps of the faith. And, and uh, so this morning, before we get going, I want to just pray for us, and then uh, we're going to get into it. Lord God, we are so thankful that, Lord, you are um, our God. Lord, that you have chosen us, Lord, that you are, uh, have given us your spirit, that you're leading us, you're guiding us. And Lord, as we're going to look at the text this morning, we're so thankful that, Lord, your presence is with us. And we acknowledge that this morning, Lord, you are with us, your spirit indwells us. Uh, we believe your blessing is upon this meeting as you have called us to do it. Lord, you've called your people to gather together. And so, God, we, as we come to your word now, we come with expectation Lord, would you change our hearts? Lord, would you grow us in our love and knowledge of you? Would we have a better understanding of who you are and, Lord, what you call us to do based on your scriptures today? And God, I pray, would you increase our faith? Would you help our faith? And Lord, if there be some here today who do not have faith, God, would you be merciful and grant them that faith even today in you? It's your name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. Uh, the ushers would be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. We did get more Bibles in this last week, okay? Uh, so if you need one, we'd love for you to have it. We want to be able to look down at God's Word together. That's what this message is about. It's not about uh, Trevor Peacock's, you know... Uh, wisdom. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, and everyone said, that's really good. And then, uh, but we, we want to see what God's word has for us today. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis 26. And we're going to just going to break it down one verse at a time as we go through it. And as we do, we're going to see that walking in the, footstep of, uh, walking in the footsteps of the faith requires that we, first of all, 
perceive the promises of God. That, that means to be aware of, to know the promises of God. It's not enough for Isaac to know that his father believed in the promises of God. He needed to know for himself, and he needed that personal relationship with God. And, and again, as I already mentioned earlier, that you cannot live off your parents' faith. You must, at some point, make a personal declaration of faith for yourself. We've just had the child dedication. We're praying for Zeke. We're praying for Nico that one day they would, they would realize, listen, I am not a good person. I am a sinner who needs salvation. And I understand that Jesus Christ is the one who's granted me a way for me to be reconciled to God. He is the fulfillment of the promise we're going to be learning about here today, that, that through him all the peoples might be blessed. And so you place your hope and trust in him. That's our prayer for every single person who comes through these doors. So verse 1, it says, Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And we're going to see, if you, if you, again, if you were studying Genesis 12 through 22, you would see Abraham's life. And now in one chapter, Isaac, that's about all Isaac gets is one chapter. We're going to see him mentioned. We've seen him last chapter and we see him mentioned again in the next chapter. But just these mentions. But this is it. Kind of like this is his life. And you see in compact form that his life was a lot like his dad's life including, as we see here, that there was a famine. And he makes clear, not the same famine that Abraham went through, but a famine that he went through. And he does what his dad did. He begins to head towards Egypt. And the reason they would go to Egypt is because at least there's the Nile River. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a place where they can know that they'll be able to get water for their flocks and, and care for their needs that way. And so he heads that way. And this Abimelech, just by the way, is not the same Abimelech that Abraham encountered. This has been like 80 to 90 years since Abraham had his uh, time with an, 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 an Abimelech, okay? So it's likely a dynasty kind of title, right? Like Pharaoh, king, that kind of idea, uh, Abimelech that way, or it's a dynasty name, right? And so... Um, not the same guy, though. And so they're, they're going to have their own unique story. Verse 2, And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Um, Genesis 12. Does this sound familiar? Go to the land that I will show you, he says in Genesis 12.1. That very similar kind of Framing Now Isaac will need to make a choice. Will he walk in obedience to what the Lord has said? Now he's telling him not to go down to Egypt. Why is he going to Egypt? Because there a, there's a famine. I want to just point out, there's going to, take, there's going to take some faith in order for him to do this. And he says, I want you to go to the place that I will tell you. Now for Isaac, it looks like it's going to happen a little bit quicker. Right? But now he has a choice, just like every single person has a choice. When you hear the word of God, you can choose to reject it or you can choose to believe it and then live it out. And this is, this is the choice that Isaac has here. Is he going to walk in the footsteps of faith just as Abraham did or 
Will he reject God's word? Will he say, I, I mean, I, that's too much for me. You know, maybe ask something less of me, God, and maybe I could do that. But to, to, to stay in this land in a famine and trying circumstances, I think I'm just going to go to Egypt. And, 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 and people have all kinds of reasons why they would reject the word of the Lord. But we see that this man, Isaac, has faith. And then he says this, sojourn in this land. Okay, so he doesn't, doesn't say, hey, start walking and then I'll let you know. He says, I want you to stay in this land and I will be with you and, I will, and will bless you for, you for to you and to your offspring. I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to, your Abra- to Abraham, your father. Sorry. So he's, he's told where he should live. He's, he needs to remain in Gerar. And then the promises begin. God assures Isaac that he will be with him. Listen, there's no better promise than that, that he will be with him. It, it, for God to say to you, I will be with you, there is no better thing that you could hear, right? You know, like a lot of people are like, well, okay, well, that, that's great, you know, the God thing, but like, how about some money? You know, how about some riches? How about, how about some health, you know, that I wouldn't be sick my entire life? How about that? That's nothing. Any, none, none of that is nothing compared to the joy, to, the, to, to, to knowing Lord, the Lord God in your life, to, to know that he is with you. Moses said this in Exodus thirty three fifteen: if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Like, God, if you're not for us, then, then we, don't, we don't want this, right? That, that's what Mo, Moses was saying. Lord, if you're not going with us into the promised land, then I don't want to go to the promised land. I don't care how nice that place is. And then he says, as he did with Abraham, that, he, he, that he's going to bless him. And then he re- reaffirms the promise of the land being given to him and his offspring, just as the Lord had promised Abraham. And then he says, he says, and I will establish the oath that I swore to your, Abraham, your father. If you flip back to Genesis 22, that's where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. And then the Lord's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I see that you would not even withhold your son from me. And then he provides this ram for him. But, but Isaac's there as he hears the angel of the Lord. So I think he's like, yeah, remember Remember when I made that oath by my name that I would do this, Isaac? Remember that oath. I, I'm going to do that as, just as I swore to your, Abraham, your father. And I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You're, you're going to receive land, this land that I'm showing you. And then you will also have Offspring as the stars of heaven, as, as the, as, as the, um, it, to, so this great multitude of offspring is what he's saying. That, 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 again, not just your two kids, right? That's all he has. I mean, to say that he has, that you're going to have this great offspring, it seems like what? You'd have to believe by faith. And that's what he's doing here. He's going to believe by faith that this will be the case. And then Isaac is told that this, the same as Abraham, that, that through his offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, those of us who live in 2023 know that fulfillment of that is Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 
8 and 9 says this, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. We are, are, the, the, the fact that all the nations will be blessed comes through the fact that Jesus Christ came and died that you and I might be reconciled to God. That those who would put their faith and trust in him might be called children of God. So it is through him that we are blessed. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as we get to communion this morning. And then he says, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, the Lord will fulfill his covenant because Abraham walked in obedience to the Lord God. Note five times in this verse, the Lord emphasized that it was him that Abraham followed. My voice, my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. He's not not following after anyone else. He's following after the Lord God in fullness. If Isaac was going to enjoy the blessings of God, then he needed to walk in the footsteps of faith and do as his father had done. This morning, if you claim to be a follower of Christ and yet do not listen and obey his voice, his charge, his commandments, statutes, and laws, then you should wonder whether you are truly partakers in his covenant. Like if if you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I accepted Christ when I was seven. I asked him into my life. Okay, great. What's happened since seven? Are, are you following after him? Are you, are you following his laws, his commands? Are you, are you, are you heeding his, his, his word in your life? If you're not, then I would doubt whether you're truly in the covenant. Does that make sense? Well, no, I said a prayer. Okay. But, but it's, there's more than that. There's the actual fruit of that. And if there is no fruit, then is there faith? It is only those who have placed their faith in him who are saved. So the person of faith sees the commands and promises of God and then lives accordingly. They're excited to do so because of the changed heart that God has given them. This morning, do you know that God is with you? That he is with you always? Do you live according to that promise? Now, of course, we understand that God is omnipresent, right? I, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in Africa. I'm not being like, oh man, is God here? I know he was with me in Canada, but is he here? I mean, of course he's with me, right? He is everywhere. It says in Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24, I am a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? He's everywhere. Like there are no secrets to God. There's no like, oh, I'm I'm hiding this from him. It's impossible because he's everywhere. He's omnipresent is the theological word that we would use there. Everywhere present so that all 8 billion people, he is equally present with them. However, when it comes to his people, there is this understanding that he is with us in a unique way. Not just that he's there, but that when, he's, when we say that he is with us, it, is, it means that he is for us and not against us. It is to remember as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that all things work together for good 
for those of us who are called according to his purpose. It is to know that he will never leave us nor forsake us and that his love will never be taken away from us. Like, do you live accordingly today? To know that God is for you, that he, seek, he seeks to bless you, to, to help you, to be for you. I mean, that should change everything about what you, how you see the week to come. If you are on your own, well, good luck. Have a great week. There's probably a good dose of anxiety coming your way, right? But if he is for you and not against you, if he is the one who is over all, and, and, and as you go through your week and the ups and downs of it, and you know that he is with you in all of that, then you do not need fear. You do not need to, 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 to be anxious because you know that he is with you. Do you live accordingly? Now, Isaac, here, there's a check mark, okay? Because what? He stays in Gerar. Did that take an act of faith? For sure it did, right? Hey, stay in this place of famine. That takes faith. Because you'd want to go somewhere else. So what's he going to have to do? He's going to have to rely on the Lord for his daily provision. And we're going to see that the Lord blesses his socks off, okay? But before that, we see him following in his dad's footsteps in a negative way. Second thing we see we need, if we're going to walk in the faith, protect against the sins of the father. Protect against the sins of the father. So now Gerar is the same place that Abraham had his encounter with Abimelech. And what he did when he was there was lie about his wife being his sister. That's what Abraham had done. This was the second time that Abraham had done that. We, he also lied when he was down in Egypt. We know that Isaac is not going to Egypt, but he's remaining a Gerar. Will he do something different than what his dad did when it came to lying about his wife being his sister? Well, unfortunately, he does not, as we're going to read. Isaac's temptation to sin in the same way is that his, he's being tempted to sin in the same way as his father sinned. So we read in verse 6, So Isaac settled in Gerar, and when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say, My wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. So apparently Isaac can trust the Lord to give him his daily food. He can trust him for that. But what he can't do is trust him to protect his life when it comes to his enemies around him. That's what's going on here, right? He, 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 he can trust him for the food, for the animals, but he cannot trust him to protect his family. And so he thinks that what he must do in order to protect his family is lie. And as is often the case when we follow somebody else's sin, he takes it up a notch, now, again, I get in North America, 2023, what we're about to say is kind of weird, but, but I, Abraham could have at least said, she's my sister, because he, she was his half-sister. In this case, Rebecca is a cousin, right? Not a sister, but a cousin. And so he's, you know, there's, there's actually like zero truth in what he's saying. And so he's saying, hey, she's my sister, 
What's happened here is he's got his eyes off the Lord and on the fact that he is with him. That he said, he, what did he say? I will bless you. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to multiply your seed. Guess what? You, you need a wife to do that. You need a family to do that. You need to be alive to do that. But he's not putting those pieces together. Instead, he's like, well, okay, all my circumstances are really dangerous here. Like, I, I know that if, if I don't come up with some scheme on my own, I'm probably going to die. So he's putting him, he's trusting himself rather than in the Lord. He has the sin, same sin problem as his dad. Anybody relate? Like, sometimes we have this word like generational sin. And when we say that, you know, this generational curse, you know, like, and, and, and when you hear that, basically what they're painting the picture is like, you're a victim, right? Your dad sinned this way, now it's being passed on to you, and now we need to do this elaborate ceremony, so that'll stop. I do not advocate for that position whatsoever. However, what I do advocate for is that we are all influenced by our parents, both good and bad, right? Some things you're like, man, I'm so thankful for the fact that, you know, I was raised in a Christian home and, 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 you know, I have some of these things in my life as a result of my parents. But we also often will have the same weaknesses in sin as our folks. And so Isaac should have been aware of that. He should have been protecting against the sins of the father. I know I'm going to be tempted to do what my dad did, but Lord, help me not to do what my dad did. He put mom in jeopardy. It was a ridiculous thing he did. Lord, help me not to do to my wife what dad did to mom. That should have been his prayer. But that wasn't his prayer. And instead, he does exactly what his dad had done. And once again, just as we've seen with Abraham, the covenant is threatened. What if? Now, Rebecca is taken to be someone else's wife. What, 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 what will happen to the covenant promises? Everything is in jeopardy except for the fact that we serve a God who is sovereign and powerful. Now, interesting, with Egypt, they got some plagues when they took Sarah into the harem, and that's how it was revealed. With Abimelech part one with Abraham, there was a dream saying, hey, don't touch that gal. And now with this one, he just used normal everyday circumstances to reveal that Isaac is lying. So verse 8, when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. Okay. Everyone knows that if you're laughing with someone of the opposite sex, you're obviously married. <laughs> so it's, it's written in a kind of a funny way, isn't it? Like, well, what, what is this? Well, there's a little bit of like, use your imagination, but his name, Isaac's name is He Laughs. So there's a play on his name here. And, and uh, there, there's a, there, in the Hebrew, you can see there's a similarity between the phrases. Hughes puts it like this. It leaves the details to the reader's imagination. Isaac was having fun with Rebecca in a most unsisterly way, okay? Maybe there's a little smoochy smooch. We don't know. We don't know what he saw. But he was just like, 
busted. These two are actually husband and wife, okay? So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So now, just as happened with Abraham, we have this pagan person rebuking the child of God. And rightfully so. Right? He's showing more morality here than Isaac is. Now, he says, why have you done this? His answer is like, well, because I was scared you're going to kill me. If you found out she was my wife, you would just be like, oh, well, let's just kill him and we'll take her. Now, this is, <laughs> he says this in, the ne- in, in the verse 10 here. She might have easily, we, somebody might have easily lain with your wife. Which for me is like, what in the world is going on in this society? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, it's like, oh, it was an accident. I mean, there's, 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 there's some, some crazy stuff going on in a society that this could happen so easily, right? He says it could have easily happened. Well, how could that have easily happened? Didn't Rebecca have the ability to say no? And I would say probably not. We're going to see in the next generation, Genesis 34, Dinah, She's, she's out in society. This guy comes along and has his way with her. And the next interaction, we see him with anyone. He said, hey, I'd like to marry her. There's no apologies. There's no like, hey, like I sinned in this way against your, your sister. Like there's none of that. And so I think the threat is real that, that Isaac is concerned about. The threat is real that someone would come along and, and basically take this woman to be their own without any asking. Now, where this is like a stupid plan, is like, well, that's great for you, Isaac. I guess you're protected. But what about Rebecca? She's as or more vulnerable than before. So it's just a really dumb plan, which is usually what you and I come up with when we're not following the scriptures. When you use your own wisdom, it's usually really, really dumb. You think it's amazing. And I'm sure Isaac at the time was like, well, it kind of worked out for dad. Not really. Again, why? Because his reputation was put in stake. The idea who God is is put at stake. The covenant was put at stake. But God is faithful. So thankfully God had revealed to Abimelech what was going on before Isaac's lies put everything at risk. Verse 11, so Abimelech warned all the people saying, whoever touches his man or his wife shall surely be put to death. I mean, God is so gracious. He assures Isaac and Rebekah that they would be safe under the protection of Abimelech. Right? They didn't, they had God. <laughs> they had God to be the protector. That should have been more than enough. And I think for the rest of his life, this would not be something that Isaac would have been proud of. Right? Like, like, put yourself in, in the shoes of Isaac. Like, over 3,000 years later, everybody's reading about your biggest bonehead mistake, right? Not mistake, sin, right? Like, how would anybody, anybody want that, right? But this is what happens. And so, 
you know, when, when this idea of getting away with sin, nobody ever gets away with sin. If you're truly a follower of the Lord God, you would regret those things. Because it's shameful what he did. And you and I, as we live out our lives, we need to live it in such a way that we would live without regrets. That we would be on guard against the sin in our lives, the sin tendencies in our lives. I mean, I mean, for Isaac, he was like, no problem, Lord. I know even in the midst of a famine, you'll feed us. But then his weakness was like, but I don't think you could protect us. And in every single person here, there are areas that you're super strong in. And then there's areas that you're weak in, that you have vulnerabilities in. And you need to continually be on guard against those things. And asking the Lord to help you, inviting brothers and sisters to come alongside you to help in those areas. So that you would be faithful to the Lord. That you would not have these situations come up in your life where you're like, I don't want anybody to know about that because of how shameful it is. Not just on your own reputation, but more importantly, on the reputation of our God. We are his witnesses. We are his ambassadors. And we would want to walk in faithfulness to him. Maybe we remember what it says in Hebrews 13, 6. So we can say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? When you, when you have that, that right perspective that God's presence is with you, that he is for you and not against you, then you're not worried about all the people around you. You're not worried about what they might say, what they might do. You just got your eyes fixed on him and you trust that he will help you to get through whatever it is that he needs to get, to get you through. That is the best sin protection in our lives, is to remember his presence with you. Hugh says this, believers, there is a window into our, here is a window into our own souls. It is one thing to theologically affirm that God is omnipresent, but it is quite another to have it dominate and inform us day in and day out. To embrace the sure knowledge that God is spatially present and more specially present to bless us and protect us. What a difference this makes in our lives. Recognizing God's presence crushes the temptation to compromise God's presence puts our fears to flight. And so again, this morning, I would, remember, I would want you to remember, if you are a child of God, he is for you today. He is not against you. When it comes to his love, he says that, that nothing shall ever separate you from his love. He cares for you. If he, is, if he did not withhold his own son for you, why would he not then be with you in all whatever you are going to face this coming week? May that fuel your faithfulness as you go through each day, that he is with you. Walking in the footsteps of the faith requires, thirdly, to persevere amid opposition. Persevere amid opposition. It would seem, as we continue to read, that, that he is repentant about what he has done, and he renews his faith in the Lord, and the Lord then blesses him. We read verse 12, And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. That's pretty good. Any farmers here? I see all those hands. <laughs> no. Okay, no. Okay. A hundredfold. You think that's good? Like one seed results in a hundred seeds. That's, that's pretty good, right? Now, that's good when the, when the conditions are perfect. What conditions are there? They're in a famine. 
right? He says in that year, while not going to Egypt, he remained there and God then blesses his socks off, right? They, 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 the, 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 the land produced a hundredfold. We read, verse, uh, continue on verse 12, the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. All right? The stranger moves into your land, starts planting crops in the famine, and gets a hundredfold return. Not only is he being blessed that way, but his animals are doing great as well, right? His flocks are doing well. His herds are doing well. He's got so much income and, and so much going on that he needs more and more servants. Like, this guy is just, you know, you know meanwhile, in this economy, just think about, you know, in economic terms, in this economy, things are, like, terrible, right? Things are terrible, and here's this guy just going, like, more like he's getting really rich, and the Philistines envy him, right? Who does this guy think he is, right? He comes into our land, like I knew that land was a really good piece of land, and he's taken it, right? And so, what they do is they resort to vandalism. They resort to vandalism, verse 15. Now, the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, right? We're going we're gonna to knock this guy down a notch and they, you know, he's not going to have any water to, 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 for his herds and for his flocks and we're just going to make life difficult for him. And so they, they fill it with dirt. And if that wasn't enough, verse 16, and Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. Like, can you just get lost? The same wording is used from Pharaoh when he's telling Moses to leave. Right? Like, get away from us. We don't, we don't want you here anymore. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. So he moves, moves away. He's not, it's not like 100 miles away, but he's moved away from that area. And he digs again a well, verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the names that his father had given them. And so he moves away from there. Just then again, we see, listen, he's following in the footsteps of dad. He's, he's going, dad had bitten, you know, dug wells here. He finds those same wells. He, he kind of cleans them out. And then uh, he gives them the same names that his father had given them. Why, why are you naming the wells? It's to say, these are our wells. This is my possession. They were for like five minutes. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, ka-ching, right? That's what's being said here. Like you've hit the jackpot, spring water. The herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek because they contended with him, right? So they're, they're, wherever they go, this is the picture. Again, this is, this is not normal, okay? Digging, every time you dig a well, there's like water. And not just are you a little bit blessed, but you hit a spring, right? There is flowing water there. Do you think anybody had been trying to find a place like that up until this time? 
100%. So they, they drill, they find the well, and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. That's ours, right? And so they, you know, they, have, they go to court, and there's this big court case. And Is that what happens here? No, he says, okay, he moves on. What's he, he names the well Coral, right? Okay, so he moves on. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called it Sitna, which means opposition. Same word for Satan in Hebrew. It means opposition or hostility, right? That's the name of that well. Still can't settle down. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, saying, for now the Lord has made for us, sorry, made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Finally, they get to a spot where they stop fighting over the well. Now, now the big picture here, what? God just keeps blessing Isaac. What's happening here is not normal. You don't don't hit water every time you, you, you dig a well, right? They're in, they're in arid places. They're in dry places. This, the, the original audience, uh, the people in, in the wilderness getting ready to go into the promised land, when they hear this of what God did with Isaac, they're like, yeah, that's what he's done for us in the wilderness. He's cared for us over and over again in this time of wilderness. And so we see God's blessing in his care in the midst of all these hardships. And at the same time, we see... Isaac continually walking in faithfulness. He perseveres. He doesn't get violent against those who are in opposition to him. He just is a quiet witness. He just kind of like, okay, you guys are going to take that. Move on. I, I, like, I like how Ross puts it here. He says, in these conflicts, Isaac chose not to fight back. He simply relinquished one well after another until God's blessing outdid human op- oppression. Uh, sorry, opposition. Right? Finally, they're like, okay, fine. You can have that well. We're getting tired of keep taking all your stuff. Okay? So, it's important that we persevere in the faith in the midst of opposition. Is that, is that your story? Uh, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. That there will be people who are opposed to you. May we follow in Isaac's footsteps and just continually walk, keeping our eyes on the Lord, trusting in him. May we be known for the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, as we encounter the different trials of our life. You don't see ranting and raving here by Isaac. You don't see him complaining. He just continually puts his trust in the Lord. And so it should be for you and I. And then lastly, as we walk in the footsteps of faith, we need to proclaim the presence of the Lord. Proclaim the presence of the Lord. Verse 23, from there he went up to Beersheba. This is again, this is a place that Abraham, his father, had been. And when he gets there, there's a a covenant of peace that happens. Guess what? Same thing is going to happen with Isaac. Verse 24, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and I will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. 
So now he, he appears to Isaac. He introduced himself as the God of Abraham, your father. He's saying, just as I watched over Abraham, I will watch over you. I'm going to bless you. And he gives him the promises once again. And in the midst of the opposition that he faced, he's, he's telling him, I'm with you. I'm with you. I have been with you. You may have noticed that every time you go for a well, you get one, okay? But I am with you. It's, a, it's again, a, a word of, of assurance. And then he tells him to not be fearful, which would probably indicate what? He was wrestling with fear. He's walking in faithfulness, but he's like, how long am I going to have to continue to do this where these people are in opposition to me? They're oppressing me. And he, he reminds him, listen, I'm with you. And if I'm with you, you don't need to worry about these things. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And, and this is why you and I need to be people of the word on a daily basis. We need to continually be reminded of what God's word says to us. If not, we become disheartened, we become anxious, we become fearful. But when we're reminded of the promises, then we walk in assurance of faith. And he's saying, I'm doing this for, for the sake of my, my servant Abraham. I made a covenant with him, and I'm going to be, remain faithful to that covenant. And Isaac responds in the same way that all of us should respond to the promises of God. He built an altar there, verse 25, and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. So he, he's, there's a picture of he's worshiping him. There's a sacrifice being made. This thing's very public. He's proclaiming the presence of the Lord. He's proclaiming the greatness of the Lord in this place. He's setting up his tent, which means he's going to stay here for a while. And they're digging a well. And there's that, okay, well, now what? Because every time he's dug a well, except for the one time, there's opposition. So he, he may be a little bit like, what's going to happen here? Hugh says this, when God's children truly believe that God is with them, a deepening of both faith and obedience takes place. And he knows that God is with him and he's, he's worshiping him here. He's walking in obedience to him. And then we see the response. Verse 26, guess what? People show up again. He's dug a well they're showing up again. Verse 26, when Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahazeth, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? Doesn't seem like he's too fearful here. Okay? Looks like the Lord's answering his prayer, and he's remembering that he's with him. And he's kind of like, I don't trust you. Why are you here? I mean, all three of his you know, top guys show up. You're not thinking, oh, this is going to go positively. But it does. Verse 28. They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. Just like Abimelech, first one, did with Abraham. So now this is happening here. That you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Well, this is a pretty political statement here, all right? Um, do, you know, remember, remember the time where I said I would protect you? Let's just focus on that. Let's not... Talk about our people continually taking your stuff and filling your wells. Like, we don't need to talk about that. We've done nothing but good to you. 
We should have a peace pact, right? Because we see that obviously God is with you. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, what, what happened? Like, did the people move in on his land and then everything just died? <laughs> like, you know, apparently it wasn't the land. I don't know. But they see that, that, that God is with them, which is correct. Yeah, we've seen back in verse 4, God said, I will be with you. In verse 23, he says, I am with you. And now we see that they say he has been with you. And so it is for all of God's people that God is with them. So, verse 30, he made a feast, and they ate and drank. Isaac shows generosity and kindness towards them, showing that he intends to make the covenant with them. And in the morning, verse 20, 31, they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. Just as his father Abraham had a covenant of peace with Abimelech, first Abimelech, now Isaac now has the same covenant, the same peace. Verse 32, that same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. It means oath. And so they had been digging, still hadn't found anything yet. And now they come back and say, hey, we found water. And so now he calls this, well, the oath. Isaac's life reflected the presence of God in his life. This morning, again, I would just ask you, is that true of you? Is the presence of God seen in your life as you go through your day to day? As you take your kids to their hockey and gymnastics and dance class, are they, do the people around you see you differently? When you go to work, do people see you differently? Do they see that the presence of God is with you in your actions and in your words? Maybe there's envy in the beginning, just as we see with the Philistines. And not everyone's going to think well of you. But I, 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 I pray that as you continue our witness for them, that people would be drawn to your God, that you are, they would see that you are a worshiper of him, and that you would, through your lifestyle, proclaim the presence of God with your life. Well, the chapter ends on a down note, verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. It's a two-for-one deal. And they made life better for Isaac and Rebekah. Or, sorry, thank you. <laughs> That's good. Bitter. I don't know who, I don't know who said that? I was, they said it really well. Not better, bitter. Which shows us what? The footsteps of faith. Esau's not following them. He's marrying the people of the land, the people who are cursed. It's not going to be better. It was bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. And we're going to see next chapter that there's this, this affirming that Jacob will be the one, but not through godly ways. So this morning as we close, I want you just to think about, as you think about walking in the footsteps of faith, do you perceive the promises of God? Do you understand them? Do you live by them? Are you protecting against the sins of the Father? Are you persevering in the midst of opposition? And then lastly, do you proclaim the presence of the Lord? I pray that that's true of all of you here this morning. Let me pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for this time together. Lord, we do pray, God, that we would be found faithful, that we would walk in your presence each day, remembering that you are with us, God. Not in a neutral way, 
but Lord, rather that you are for us and not against us. God, I pray that that truth would help us to say no to sin and to walk in faithfulness to you. God, it is our desire that people would see that you are real, that you are who you say you are. Lord, may our words and our actions testify to that fact. God, if there any be any way here, anyone here this morning who does not yet know you, God, would you open their eyes to see that they can be reconciled to you through Jesus Christ. Lord, help them to repent of their sin and place their faith and trust in you. It's your name we pray.